We're talking about growing the shell game. And we're going to trade shells today, all right? Are you ready? We're going to trade some shells today. I told you last week a little bit about the hermit crab and how the hermit crab would trade shells up uh, as it grows and it has to continue to do that. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But growing creates seasons of vulnerability in your life. It creates seasons of, uh, of pain in your life. I remember my, my son is going through that period. He's 14 years old. He's growing it, I don't know, an inch a day or something stupid like that. And, uh, and he'll sometimes complain about his knees and hips. And, and I'll say, you're just growing. Stop being a crybaby about it. Because that's what good parents do. <laughs> Maybe a little too vulnerable this morning. But, but I know it's not a dangerous thing for him. I know the pain is not dangerous. I know the pain is a sign of something good to come. That will, he, he will be taller than his father. Embrace the pain, son. You're going to be 6'1". It's pretty cool. And so, so it's a pain in his life that not only can he tolerate, but it's a pain in his life that will cause him to look forward to what he could be. Come on, we started out. We haven't stood up yet. You should say amen. It's a pain in his life that he doesn't shun or, or, or put away. It's a pain that he embraces and said, I'm going to be taller than my dad. I have had the conversation with him. There's a difference between boy strength and man strength. I don't care how tall you are. You're still a kid. And the growing pains won't be the only pain if you keep pushing. So we're going to talk about that today. Are you ready? It's going to be good. We're going to learn how to embrace it. And we're going to grow together. Can we do that? Because the future of this church depends on you and me making a covenant to grow in Christ together. Not, not just to show up, not, not, just, to, not just to come and, 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 and do the requirement, whatever that is. But it's, but it's a covenant to say we will not be the same people this time next year. That God can look down and be confident that the growing pains we feel are, are, are embraced and we're looking forward to the future of what it will produce in our lives. And that we will not be the same people. And so as together as a family, we can, we can look at each other and say, they're growing pains, man, suck it up, stop whining. Or maybe we should be a little more compassionate than the Jones family. But, but we can agree together that we'll reach farther reach wider, that we will spread this gospel as far as God would empower us to do, but it will require us to grow. Amen? Amen. So we're going to be swapping shells nonstop, all right? So why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to read Philippians chapter 3 again. You probably already have it memorized. We'll start at verse 7 today. But whatever gains to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ, be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation 
and his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Can I help you frame your sufferings a little differently? I, I, was, I, I went to see my counselor on Wednesday, last Wednesday, and I brought up this passage of scripture to him, and I said, uh, I, I was framing some suffering uh, in, in my life. And I said, look, I'm not physically suffering, obviously. But I think at times there's mental suffering. And what I had to do, I said, I'm trying to reframe it as part of me knowing Christ more. Paul says, Paul says in verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. We oftentimes, yeah, the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. It quickens my mortal body. We oftentimes, yeah, we're all resurrecting. But we forget the process that Paul laid out. He said, I want to know Christ, know the power of his resurrection participate in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. So when you're suffering mentally, physically, whatever it is, I want you to reframe it. And I want you to start praying like this. God, I'm participating with Christ. Come on, this is a journey you're walking me on. I'm going to embrace it. It's part of me becoming more like him. Amen? Amen. You can't get to the resurrection without the cross. It doesn't happen. There's no shortcut. So Paul said, I'll participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, these are people that he cares for. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, It's actually three, but it's like a concept he has. He says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Pray that you make us straight this morning. God, we pray that you open up our hearts to receive your word, change us, grow us today. Grow us today, Lord. Let us leave here different than when we came. In Christ's name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. Now, if you remember, Paul's towards the end of his ministry. He's in, they believe he's in prison. There's a little bit of debate about where he was in prison, but everybody's pretty, uh, in a, pretty much in agreement that he was in prison. So how many of you know if you're in prison, it doesn't really matter where? I mean, it could, but you're still locked up. It's towards the end of his life. One thing fascinating to me about Paul when he makes this comment in verse 12 is that he says, he says that before that, that he wants to participate in the sufferings in Christ's death and somehow obtain the resurrection, that he's considered all these things as lost, and now he wants to have this relationship with Christ where he follows. And... And even as successful as his ministry has been to this point, Paul never puts a cap on, on it. He never says, man, I, I feel pretty good about where I am. He says, not that I have attained all this, or not that I have arrived at my goal. I'm not there yet. And, and that stood out at me as almost shocking because oftentimes we get in a certain stage in life where we feel like we've shown up, right? We feel like we know enough. 
We feel like we've developed a relationship with Christ enough where we feel like we've just kind of maybe, all right, this is a good, pl- this is a good spot. I like where I'm at. I like, I like my mentality about things. I like my relationships. So it's kind of just a good spot to be in. I- I'm, not, I'm not a criminal. <laughs> I've got really low standards. I'm not a criminal. I- I- I'm, I'm, I'm participating in society well. And I'm just good with where I'm at. Paul, after all of his ministry success, planting churches, raising people up, all these things, he still says towards the end of his life, I haven't obtained all this. I haven't gotten to the place where I want to be yet. And I don't know about you, but I think there should always be tension in our life between what God has called us to be and where we're at. Because he oftentimes calls us before we're who he wants us to be, right? You didn't show up totally equipped for the job he called you to. He just called you. So Paul's realization of this reminds him that I'm not there yet, but this is the thing that I do about it. So if we can all agree as a church, we haven't gotten there yet. Not everybody in Berkeley County serves Christ. Not everybody has been saved from their sins. Not everybody, there, there are billions of people on the planet that do not know him yet. We are not there Yet, we haven't completed it. And so, in light of that, there's a necessity to grow. To to grow into the people God has called us to be. To grow into His will for our life. To grow into becoming more like Christ. It's this non-stop changing of shells. And seasons are, okay, I've grown. And now the shell's getting a little tight. So I'm going to crawl out from under into the next shell. I'm going to grow. Season, it's getting a little tight. I'm going to crawl out and go to the next shell. And so we, we, we establish a pattern of growth in our lives that doesn't stop until our last breath. That's what Paul is pointing out here. I haven't obtained the resurrection yet, so I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep straining. So the strange thing about this a little bit is that Paul says this one thing I do, and then he says a couple things that he does. So he's saying, a cons- this is one thing I do. So he starts out with forgetting. How many of you know you can't forget anything? How many men know? <laughs> Man, I just like, I get on the tightrope and I'm like, whoa, it's Sunday morning. You, you don't really forget anything. How many of you say, man, I, I just forgot, and then somebody will trigger, oh yeah, now I remember. You see, what, what happens oftentimes in our lives is we have all this past behind us. We have failures and success, failures and success, failures and success, sometimes failure, failure, failure and success, sometimes it looks like that, right? And, and what Paul says is he said, forgetting what is behind, but it's not really forgetting. Because we know if we read before that, we, we talked about a couple weeks ago how he hasn't forgotten anything. He said, I don't take... I'm not going to boast about in, 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 in my righteousness, but if I was, I've got more reason to boast to you. Well, that tells me right there he didn't forget. He said, I was born in the right family by the right people. I studied under the right people. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews as far as zealous for the law. I persecuted the church. I, I am, I'm a Pharisee. I am as good as it. He didn't forget anything. There was no like putting it out of his mind. And what we oftentimes run across in our lives is we have a failure behind us and we want to actually erase it from our memory. But it never really goes away, does it? It never really goes away. 
And so what Paul's saying here, he's saying, not forgetting in the sense that somebody erased it from your memory, but choosing not to focus on it. Because that's a different story. It'd be so easy if you could just go down through, like, like on, a, on a PC, you could hit shift, delete, and that permanently deletes it. Unless the FBI comes in, then I don't think you can delete it at all. We actually lost a hard drive here one time that had a, um, I think it had a whole year recap video on it that we had not shown yet. And we paid somebody to get it off of there. We couldn't even get the computer to start. And they were like, oh, yeah, we'll get it off. And so we paid them. And I thought, oh, man, they can find anything. (laughs) And so it was probably a guy in his garage with a shop vac or something. I don't know. He acted like it was all technical. (laughs) So you really don't forget. And the problem is, is when you don't forget, then you have to choose. You have to choose... If you're going to focus on what you can't forget or focus on what is in front of you. So I have a choice every morning. I have all this history behind me of failures and success. And some of our lives pile up a little more failures and success. Some the other way. But I, I get to choose whether today will be a day where I let what I used to do keep me from what God wants me to do. And so I wake up in the morning and Paul says, this thing I do, I forget all that. Did he forget? No, he remembered. But what he's saying is, I choose not to focus on that and focus ahead to what God has called me to. So this is why God grabbed hold of me and I'm going to focus on that today. This is what I did all back here. I can't deny it. I remember it as clear as it was yesterday, but I'm not focusing on that anymore. I'm going to run the race that he's called me to run in front. And so I refuse to focus back there. I'm going to forget that. It's like an Italian mobster. Forget about it. Right? Forget about it. What's he, what's he asking you to do? That you can't erase it from your memory, but don't let it bother you anymore. Forget about it. Right? On an Ancestry.com, I'm like half percent Italian or whatever. It comes out every now and then. Forget what is behind. Do you know that a large percentage of us could have a better day starting tomorrow if we, if we just managed what we focused on? It'd it feel like a brand new start almost. Because you'd wake up tomorrow and go, I'm not going to focus on the pain of yesterday. I'm going to focus on the reason God still has me here. I'm not going to focus on all this stuff from three years ago, 10 years ago, 20. I I can't forget it, but I'm not going to let it dominate my mind because I know that God has something else for me in the future that will actually make what I experience pale in comparison to what he called me to. And so Paul's saying this one thing, I haven't obtained it, but this one thing I do is I will not focus on what I have done in the past, good or bad. I'll press The next word is, he said, I'll strain. I'll strain. And I started thinking about straining and all kinds of things. I remember I passed out in the gym one time. (laughs) It's one of the more embarrassing parts of my life, actually. I was uh, was 40 years old. I've lifted weights on and off my whole life. I've been, it's some season of my life I've been very strong. 
Uh, other seasons of my life, like right now, not so much. I was with a bunch of kids the other day trying to do push-ups, and I was like, whoa, Mr. Chris has a bad shoulder. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Gee whiz. I'm glad you four-year-olds can do push-ups. But I remember, um, I, I, I don't remember much. I remember feeling sick in the gym. And, and, and we, we went and visited this trainer and, and he was, um, you know, just typical trainer, like 6'4", giant mammoth muscle guy that I was, he, he looked at me and said, oh, you've been lifting weights longer than I've been alive. I said, yeah, don't forget it. <laughs> so, um, so we work out for about an hour. I'm not even that, something happened. I don't know what happened. And I'm sitting on a bench and he goes, man, you don't look good. <laughs> and um, next thing I know, he's going, hey, buddy, like, you want to lay down? Yeah. My wife came over and she's like, she heard him saying, hey, hey, are you okay? And she thought, why isn't Chris answering him? Why are you being a jerk? <laughs> See, when I get sick, my wife thinks it's intentional. Why is he being a jerk? So he actually lays me down on the floor and I'm just looking up like, I don't even know what happened, bro. I'm just out. 20 minutes I'm laying on the floor. We got some friends there. Their sons are trying to take pictures of me and put it on Instagram. I had this much strength left to say, I will kill you when I get up. But I went to the doctor that night. I went to the emergency room, actually. And, and they were like, well, maybe you were straining too hard. I said, lady, lifting weights all my life. Must be crazy. Straining too hard. Problem is the strain hurts. You ever been stretched by somebody? Like right before you go to work out? I, I, Adam, could you come up here? I think I trust Adam enough. By the way, it's Adam's birthday. So watch this, watch this. So watch this. Like you're getting ready to go into the gym, you're getting ready to do chest exercises, you're gonna do heavy bench press today. So I would. So I'd say, Adam, man, stretch me, bro. Yeah. But then there comes a point in time where I'm at Adam's mercy. Right? Like, I got to trust Adam because here's what happens. My arms only go back so far before it's like, ah! And, and it's bad. So what happens in our lives is we forget what is behind, but moving forward causes you to have to strain a little bit. You're going, okay, Adam, that's good. That's good. And then he goes, bro, you got more. You got more. We can get this. And then he pushes me past where I'm used to going. And I'm, I'm like, Adam. So what I have to be able to do is I have to, trust, I have to give Adam total trust. If I put both my arms behind my back, I got no defense mechanism. I'm at his mercy. You can sit down because I don't want you to hurt me. <laughs> I got no defense mechanisms. Come on, you've, 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 maybe you've been in physical therapy and you're laying on your back and the person puts your leg up. You ever seen them and then they lean, put their shoulder on your leg and they lean into it and you and they're like, that's good, it hurts. And you're like, what? I just came out of the hospital. They were giving me Percocet because it hurts. Now you're telling me it's good. But they push and they push. And you have to have total trust in the person because you're in a vulnerable position. 
I'm both hands behind my back. Now the, now the stretch, the strain is coming because I want to grow. I'm allowing myself to be strained because I want to grow. Paul said, I'm signing up for this. One thing I do. He said he wasn't forced into it. He said, one thing I do. I forget what is behind. I choose to focus on why God called me. And then I strain. Ugh. And the issue is, God is oftentimes the one pulling our arms together. Mm. Lord, I trust you. It's starting to hurt a little bit, but I trust you. Ah, Lord, this is really becoming painful. Uh, A little more. Oh, that's it, Lord. (laughs) Feel the tendons. Not funny anymore. Everybody's looking, and I think I'm going to be the guy passed out on the gym floor if you keep this up, right? Can I just say this? If you don't trust God enough to let, let him stretch you a little bit, growth will be not an option. The pain in our lives that produces things comes from straightening. It comes from me being focused on what God has called me to do and then getting into that environment where it's stretching everything about me. God, you called me into this place. Paul had to reshift the way he thinks about being in prison. And he, and he had to rethink because it was a stretching time. When everybody else thought it wasn't a good season in his life, he's the one that wrote, these chains, I realize, are to advance the gospel. And so even though it feels painful and it's stretching me, I realize that ultimately it's for the good of me pushing me to where he's called me to be. The ultimate goal was not for Paul's individual success. The ultimate goal was for the gospel to go forward. So he said, I'm going to press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Which meant, ah, wow. Lord, I didn't realize you'd stretch my arms and legs in the same session. So now it is extremely painful. But at the end of the day, we have to be able to look up and say, I trust you. I trust you. If anybody's going to stretch me, I'm going to let you do it. Because you breathe life into me. You know where I'm going to break at. You know where I'm going to snap. You know how far it can go. And even if you push me past that, there's a story I remember about a potter and the clay. Even if the clay pot was broken, the potter could pick it back up and make something beautiful out of it. He said, I'll forget. I'll I'll choose to focus. I'm going to focus on what is in front of me. I'm going to focus on the reason you called me. And in the strain, I'm going to press on. You see, what happens is when the pain comes, most of us want to throw in the towel, right? We live in a society that just give me a pill, make it go away. But in the strain comes the strength. If you will press through the strain, the strength comes. If you will press, think about a bench press. The other thing that God said, when I bench press, I put my thumbs on the back side of the bar like this. And he was like, dude, you, you're like prison bench press. I thought, I've never been to jail. <laughs> so we're just the strain. Ah, press on. Ah, press on. And next thing you know, you're stronger. Next thing you know, you're accomplishing more. Next thing you know, you're growing. Next thing you know, your capacity goes up and you, and you went from 225 to, to 275. And you're, ah, it's in the strain. 
It's me pressing through that. Ah, next thing you know, you're 315. And everybody in the gym's like, whoa. <laughs> Come on, some of you guys that lift the weights, you know, you put three plates on each side and everybody's like, mm, okay. 135 over here. I'll wait till he's out. It's just impressive all of a sudden. And the issue is, is all that guy figured out how to do was to push through the pain. All he figured out how to do was when it became painful is to not stop. And Paul said, I'll press on. I'll keep going. I won't stop. When he stretches me where I feel like I'm going to snap, I'm going to strain forward and I'm not going to stop. Now watch this. The church has to be okay with vulnerability. Because ever since sin entered in the world, we've been covering it up. Making excuses for it. Putting up facades. Being tough. All those things. There's a beautiful thing about Adam and Eve. When they were created, they were naked. How many of you know you can't get any more vulnerable than naked? There's no more vulnerability than being totally naked in front of somebody else. And that's the way God created us. Sin made us cover everything up. But in order for us to grow, we have to be in an environment where, where vulnerability is accepted, actually. And so often in our culture, vulnerability, nobody wants to see it. It makes us awkward, don't, doesn't it? When somebody walks up to you, hey, man, I want to tell you something nobody's ever, I've never told anybody before. Whoa. Let's think about this first. It's going to be weird for me too, all right? Just letting you know. I don't know about how vulnerable we want to get right now. What's your name again? (laughs) But, But there's no growth without a season of vulnerability. You have to let the stretch happen in order to get the most from your workout. You've got to put on more weight than you can handle and trust that the guy spotting you will help. It's called vulnerable. If you only work out of your own strength all the time, you'll never grow. So once you get past where you're comfortable, once you get past where where it's all relied on you, once you get vulnerable, then God's allowed allow then God allows growth in your life. So watch this. The hermit crab is really in a good spot when he's in a shell that fits, right? He could tuck himself up in it, flip over, and nobody even knows it's there. And it's hard to get. You ever try to pry a hermit crab out of a shell? Yeah, you're going to pull it out in parts, aren't you? I don't think they go back together very well after that. But the issue is, in order for the hermit crab to grow, it has to have this moment of vulnerability. It has to have this moment where it's not totally safe. It has to have this moment where it crawls out from under the shell that doesn't fit anymore. Oh, I'm out here, no protection. Look at my tail that's never seen the sun. Because here's the thing. When a hermit crab walks out, this backside of it wasn't meant to be in the sun. It was meant to be in the shell. But he's doing it for the sake of growth. So when it comes out of the shell, it's exposed. And the sun could burn it up if it's out too long. Uh, uh, A seagull could come down and grab it if it's out. A whole bunch of things could happen. But it crawls out anyway. You know why it crawls out? Because it's going to die one way or the other. It's either going to die in the shell or it's going to die being vulnerable. But the risk of being vulnerable is worth more because there's an opportunity to grow. So what am I doing? I'm coming out from under my shell to be vulnerable. 
I know it's going to be painful. I know the stretch is coming. I know it. I know all this pain. Yes, I'm telling you something I've never told anybody else, but I'm doing it because of the future, not because of the past. I'm doing it because I forgot all that. I chose not to focus on it, and I'm going to let myself be vulnerable. I'm going to choose not to focus on the last time I was vulnerable and somebody took advantage of me. I'm going to choose to focus on why Christ called me. And so I'm climbing out of this shell, and there is a moment where I'm going, I got no protection. I got no protection. Now, the thing about it is, is this, is Paul writes to the Ephesians, and, and, and he writes that they should take advantage of every opportunity because the, basically because the time is coming to an end. He's saying you need to take advantage of every opportunity. So watch this, Ephesians 5, 15. Be very careful in how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, we all look at opportunities like, oh, it's positive, positive opportunity. Take advantage of the opportunity. When's the last time you took advantage of a failure? Like the group of people you're around were like, hey, bro, it's okay you failed. We're going to grow from this. That's not really what you hear, is it? We hear loser. Why'd you fail again? I told my kids all the time, the second place is the first loser. Trying to encourage them. (laughs) Do what? Yeah. I mean, I think they thought I was joking. I think. (laughs) But we have this no fail mentality in our society. But Paul said, take advantage of every opportunity. So if we're going to grow, we got to look at vulnerability and failure as opportunities. Amen? Amen? And so guess what the church has to be? It has to be a Petri dish for growth. You know what, you know what makes me crazier than anything else with the people I work with if, is if they don't try. If they try and fail, I'm like, okay, figure out another way. We'll do it again. But if they go, I don't want to do this because we may fail... Well, that's not an option. We, we have to try. And, and matter of fact, I think he's sitting in here. Uh, wise uh, Jack Kruger told us one time in our uh, uh, Connect group that was meeting on Wednesday nights, he said, the first step to failure is trying. I thought, you should write a book. This is, this is genius. First step to failure is trying. So guess what? Failure will be part of your past just as much as success would. The vulnerability comes in how you handle it. You could be vulnerable in failure and grow, or you could be vulnerable in failure and fear your whole life. So how are you going to, Paul said, take advantage of every opportunity. So in the church, we have to start looking at failure as an opportunity. Watch this. If nobody ever fails, how are you going to explain grace to them? If nobody ever fails, how are you going to explain forgiveness? If, if everything is okay all the time, oh, how are you doing? Good. Oh, good, good, good. We're glad everybody's Good. Hey, man, the grace of God changed my life. Oh, I'm good. No, 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 no. Here's a moment to grow. You failed. And guess what? Grace is extending its hand to you. And so is the church. And we're going to live in this moment. We're going to grow together. Nobody's going to get shunned. Nobody's going to get put out. But failure is a moment for grace. Let's do it together. Can we do that? So watch this. Paul actually says a little bit farther down and past the scripture that we just read in Philippians, he actually says a little bit farther down that that we could create an environment for this to happen. Watch what he says. 
Philippians, go down to verse 15 of chapter 3. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. He said, if you're a mature adult, you should think like I do. Forget what is behind. Press on. Take hold of that for which Christ... He says, it's a good way to think. Everybody that's a mature in Christ should think this way. Don't think you've already arrived, but keep pushing. Keep pushing. Keep pushing. Push through the strain. He says, who are mature should take view of such things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. He said, I, I'm not concerned if you get a little off track. God will straighten you out. If you think differently, God will make it clear to you. Now, verse 16 is very important. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. So wherever you're at in your walk with Christ, live up to that and move forward. Now watch. Verse 17 is very important. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. You know what he just said? Grow in a community. Don't be the hermit crab all out there by yourself because it's not safe out there by yourself. The seagulls are flapping their wings waiting on you to crawl out of your shell. But if you will be in a part of a family where growing is the only option where grace abounds, where failures are looked at as opportunities, then you can easily crawl out of one shell into another. He says, surround yourself with people like this. Do it in a community. Now, you know what I found out about hermit crabs? They trade shells together. It is fascinating. And, and if you showed up at the right time, you could pick up like 30 of them just in a group, and then sell them at the flea market. So we got a little video clip to explain the way this happens. A beautiful British voice will explain to you how a hermit crab changes its shell. Why don't you stand to your feet? The band's going to come. You go to work tomorrow and be like, did you have any idea hermit crabs lined up in a line? Every single one of those little crabs is vulnerable. It's impossible to get into a bigger shell without the process. They didn't avoid being vulnerable. They were vulnerable in a safe environment. They didn't avoid the pain of growth. They avoided avoided the danger of focusing too much on the pain of growth and not on what was ahead. You didn't see one of those crabs going, man, I don't know if I can give this shell up. This thing is awesome. No, they went, hey, listen, as soon as he jumps out of the one in front of me, I'm taking it. I'm taking the opportunity. I'm not going to stay here one more. I am so focused on what's in front of me. I'm just waiting on the opportunity to jump into a bigger shell. I'm just waiting. And you saw what they did. They just like, shoom. And I believe that's a beautiful picture of what God has created the church to be. Listen, pain and vulnerability is part of the process and there's no way you can escape it. If you think you're going to walk through the rest of your life never having to be vulnerable, never having to have pain in your life to grow, it's a myth where every day you wake up it just gets better and better and better. No, it's the stretching, it's pressing through the strain and it's, and it's done 
beautifully in an environment like this where we can look at each other and say, hey man, it's okay. It's okay. The same blood that covered my sin will cover yours. The same grace that made me whole will make you whole. The same grace that I need every morning is extended to you. And so the pain and vulnerability can be expressed in a safe environment. And guess what the next thing? We wake up a year from now and we're all better than we were before. We've all grown past our, 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 old, our old pains and our old desire. We've all grown past it. We're in a different place now than we've ever been. Paul said this, I have not gotten there yet. And so this is the pattern that I keep in my life. I will forget and I will strain and I will press on to win the prize that Christ has called me to. Amen. Can we be like that as a church? Can we make a covenant to grow this year? To make a covenant that will indeed be vulnerable when, when we need to be and we'll, and we'll embrace the pain when it comes and we'll be better off for it. Amen. Come on, can we pray like that today? Father, we thank you. I know there are people in here right now being stretched sometimes beyond what they think they can bear, Lord. But you are the great restorer, God. You know exactly. And Lord, we are not trying to do this in our own strength, but it's in your strength that we move forward. It's in your strength that we can grow. And so we trust you, God, with the stretch. We trust you with the pain. And God, we look forward to that for which you called us to, God. We look forward to accomplish all that you put us to. You have gifted us and blessed us, Lord, for your calling. And we thank you for the opportunity. And God, I pray if there's one person here this morning that feels like they're being stretched, they would cry out to you maybe for the first time and experience your peace and grace this morning like they've never experienced before. I pray that you wrap your arms around them, God, and whisper in their ear that they're growing in you. We thank you for it, God. We'll give you honor because of it. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, church. Could you honor him one more?